Well, hello, everybody. Here we are again, another discussion. Uh, before we get into the conversation, I want to take care of some business. I want to say thank you to everybody who has subscribed, listened, downloaded, rated, reviewed, and been a part of this podcast. Um, having you be a part of this is amazing, and we have almost 1,500 downloads. So once again, you guys are incredible in being a part of this. We want to see a movement happen, and uh, we can't do it without you. I also want to encourage you to make sure that you're sending your mailbag questions into my email. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, part of being a part of the discussion is that making sure that you guys have a voice and this is your way to have a voice and a part of this podcast. So please, uh, I'm going to leave my email in the description email. We want to have our discussion podcast uh, geared towards a mailbag question and answer with Samuel and I. Sam, would you be excited enough for something like that? Come on, man. I would be ecstatic. Yeah. Samuel, talk about why you love Q&A so much. Ooh, that's a, this is an actually good question. Yeah. I like this question. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It is that I think that God grows us in a very personal way. So when we ask a question, I think it's the grounds for really impactful and transformative revelation uh, to cause growth and transformation. Because I think there's good ideas and then there's ideas that are really personal and that can actually grow us. And so I like Q&As because I think it is a way to do that. Here's my question and then a really appropriate, good, accurate, clean answer empowers me to be able to have information so I could partner with God in growth. That's why I like Q&A. So when you guys send in your questions... We'll delve into that. We will get into that and to the best of our ability, uh, answer all of your questions, whether it's who's your favorite football team or what is God trying to say in Patriots. my life? Easy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll right now they're actively one and two. Yes. So that's good. That's not good. <laughs> not good at all. But as Bill Belichick would say, <laughs> so there you coach go. better, got to play better. Got to play better, coach better, execute better. <laughs> good having you with us, Bill. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. So on. Anyway, back to business here. Um, but thank you again for being a part of the podcast and listening and being wonderful. I hear so many great things from so many people about this, and it lends me to believe that we're doing something right. So thank you again for your guys' feedback and support. But we want to get into our discussion today, and our discussion is on uh, the sermon series that we've recently had at the mountain called The Future is now. So many times we talk about the future and where we're going and what we're going to do and how we're going to accomplish it and leaving legacies. But Samuel, you kind of did something different. You said the future is now. What does that mean? Yeah, the phrasing came to my head. Uh, thought God spoke it to me, felt it. And what's interesting about it is that it, it is really contradictory because the future is never actually now. <laughs> so it's, it's really more symbolism. It's, it's more meant to make a point that we can live our lives, we can partner with Jesus in a way that we are never really seizing our promised land or we're really never seizing those things which God spoke to us in a future sense. Uh, and in that way, there can be hidden doubt, fear, and anxiety that really causes us to always kind of keep it in the future to realize those things which God spoke to you in a future sense yesterday or last seasons now takes great faith. So the whole series was about realizing that faith to transcend those kinds of hurdles and uh, become the man that God has designed you to be that can walk into uh, the land that God promised for you. 
So it's all about realizing the faith now so that you can walk into your future. You're a very faith motivated person. You, you live out of like this very, very big faith. Can you describe like what, like what faith looks like to you? That's another good question. I'm on it today. You are two in a row. Yeah. At least I, I think faith can be related to whether or not I believe in Jesus. Like I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. Uh, I believe that I need to accept him, believe and receive him so that I can go to heaven. Like those are faith terms and those take faith. But for me, I feel like those are almost the elementary versions of our faith. The belief that he exists, the belief that he is my savior, son of God. These are really important foundational faith beliefs. But then the, the daily journey, the walk of faith goes beyond or stems from those base ideas to a much more involved journey, which would look like trusting God in every way, which would look like thinking and feeling and approaching life in a way that uh, is not fear-based, but is faith-based. It looks like when Jesus, when the disciples woke up Jesus on the boat because they were in the storm, they thought they were going to die. He gets up and he rebukes their lack of faith. And then talks about their fear and calms the storm by peace. But the first thing he did was challenge their lack of faith. And these are people that were following Jesus. So it leads me to believe that in my following Jesus, I can lack faith. Even if I believe he's real and true, and I've, I've said I'm going to walk with you, there can be moments in my life where storms hit and I lack faith in order for me to create a peaceful atmosphere or to journey through that storm well. So really, to me, this looks like us finding and developing and being free from that fear to realize that faith for your day and day journey, day to day journey and the storms that may come into the trials and things like that. One of the things that you I'm noticing is you're saying, because we've we've talked about faith before um, in our mountain series. Uh, one of the first things that we discussed was the mountain. You, you have the faith to move mountains, even if it's just as small as a mustard seed, you can do it. But this is a, this seems like it's a different kind of faith to walk out the future, to walk out the calling, to walk out the destiny right now takes a tremendous amount of faith. What would you say is the difference between the faith to move mountains and the faith to literally walk in what you're walking in now and what you're destined to walk in? Yeah, it's the same partnership with Jesus because the faith to move mountains comes from a personal internal transformative journey where like God moved the mountains within you. And then you learned that language, that posture and that approach with the mountains around you mountains being bigger, things bigger than you, things that you couldn't have moved on your own strength or might. Uh, so, but this one is very much focused on that transformative journey. Like when God talks about being transformed by the renewal of your mind, so you may prove what's the perfect, acceptable will of God. We see that he actually, there's a challenge because for me to go to from my mindset right now to my new mindset, it's going to take faith because I don't know what that new mindset is. My mind can't produce that new mindset because my mind is my mind (laughs) and he's going to make my mind new. So in that partnership with Jesus, it takes faith. Because it's mysterious, it's the unknown until it becomes known, but you walk out that faith. Say, okay, I'm going to trust you to transform me. Uh, I'm going to walk where you're telling me to walk. I'm going to partner with your voice. I'm going to partner with what you're saying and doing. And I'm just going to trust that you're going to create it in me because I can't if you don't. 
That's amazing. Um, with with the future and walking out where your future is, uh, future is now. Um, how does that translate when you're um, you're telling people about your current journey with Jesus and how and what you're going through with Jesus? And how do you? Uh, I'm trying to find formulate the question here in a way that makes sense. But um, in your daily walk with Jesus, and you're trying to share with somebody, you know, what Jesus is to you. How do you talk to them and let them know that the future is now in your own life and how it could be for them? Um, I think it looks like relating and witnessing what Jesus has done situationally and how you've related to your storms, how you've learned to find Jesus and find faith increase, find deliverance from fear to find peace, no matter what your situation looked like. I think it's finding the evidence that exists in that journey. Like, Hey, I seen Jesus in these capacities that even when it was all really bad, it looked like this. I, it reminds me of this book I was reading about the patient fermentation of the early church. And in it, it was talking about uh, the early church in Rome and how everything de-incentivized Christianity. They, their life was threatened. Their wealth, possessions, and reputation were threatened if they accepted Jesus. and Jeez. became. A, if their reputation was that of a Christian, their life, wealth, and reputation was all on the line. Status and everything. No pressure. Right. So there was no practical incentives for Christianity didn't grow. <laughs> like literally there was no human incentive. But what's amazing is that the church grew in the midst of that. Wow. Uh, like really hostile environment with no actual incentives to grow. The church grew and it was because others who didn't believe would watch Christians endure all of these things and still have more peace than them. Oh, this is interesting. And so they would recognize this. And Christians would endure all of these things with what they felt was the virtue of patience. And patience being that in all of this, I'm not just waiting for it to be over, but I'm also content. I'm also sufficiently happy and joyful for his grace is sufficient. And you begin to see the sufficiency of God and and being with God and walking with God extends beyond what those things could have provided of wealth, reputation, status, and no threat to your life, but that just simply being in partnership with Jesus was sufficient for them to have greater joy than those that possess those three things, but didn't have Jesus. That is extremely fascinating. Isn't that amazing? That's a, that is amazing. So why is it so different now? Or maybe is it different now? And if so, why? Because I personally don't think that, you know, non-believers are looking at Christians and society and thinking like, oh, like they're extremely patient and they have peace. Like I, I want that from my life. I think they look at, you know, I think Christianity looks a lot different than what it did before. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah. It, for some people, absolutely. I think you still hear stories about people being drawn to a lifestyle of Jesus because they saw something different Yeah, in somebody. Right. Now, maybe we're pointing to the fact that it's not widespread right? or that there's a lot of what I think people call them fair weather Christians right. that they, they go with the tide of Christianity as long as it's convenient to their life. So I think you could point to those things, perhaps America's prosperity uh, and protection for f- like the freedom of expression. Perhaps those things give way or make room for f- fair-weather Christianity or Christianity that's comfortable rather than Christianity that has to trust in God with everything. So maybe we have that, but I still believe that there are believers that, that are, 
that have the evidence of that patience that so they walk with God and they, they give God their life constantly and they go through that death and resurrection process with Jesus and they pick up their cross every day. I, I see, I know, I know those Christians and believers. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I definitely desire to be those, to be that Christian every day. Definitely. That's my, that's my journey's effort for sure. Um, but I, you know, I think if we're pointing to that trend in humanity, there's always the there's always the desire for for a comfortable existence, one that's known. Uh, so I don't really blame people for desiring this or even falling into this necessarily. I see it as just kind of human tendency, as we long for something that we know, you know, and to live this kind of patient ferment patient process of Christianity, this constant place of like realizing your future now takes a faith journey. And that is uncomfortable. <laughs> it, 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 you know what I mean? It just is because when the Israelites were at the foot of the promised land and God's like, okay, that's my land. I've given it to you. That's the land I've given to you. Go into it and take it. They sent in the 12 spies. We know the story. Two spies come back and they're like, yo, let's do this. And 10 are like, ah, it's a bad idea. This isn't wisdom. Kind of a vibe. And then so they didn't. They chose not to hear the words of God and believe on them. And they hardened their hearts. Uh, so they didn't get to enter into his rest. Fear, man. Fear for sure. But what was crazy about it is that they were right to fear based on human standards. Hmm. Everybody in the promised land had greater resource than the Israelites, and they were larger. <laughs> they were stronger. So in terms of battle scenarios, it logically made sense for them not to enter into that land because they were smaller, inferior, and less resource. In all battle tactics, that's a bad <laughs> recipe. <laughs> So really, it, it wasn't irrational. And I think that if you look at that, how many times did we not enter into a place of obedience because we stayed in a place that was very rational, that was very logical. So we didn't go into our future place or become that which needed to be, needed to be transformed to enter into a future place because we could measure where we were at and it had a measured success. Had a measured like manna every day and a cloud by day and fire by night. So there was success in the desert. They survived. They thrived, but it wasn't where God had destined them to be. And that's what the future is now: is about realizing those places that the future is wherever God is speaking to you to go, and then you realizing that future now is you being the person that will believe and move at that word right now, not tomorrow, not the next day, not when you get the resources but move now. Wow. Yeah. I, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like, okay, then how, do, how does someone separate like logic and like no brainer common sense with no, go for it, do it. Cause like I think about, this is going to sound so cheesy, but I think about Spock and like Star Trek. And he always yeah. says that the needs of the many way uh, outweigh the, the needs of the few, but we always find himself. We'll say for instance, the wrath of Khan, like let, this is amazing. I know. That I'm quoting the Bible. And I'm quoting Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag live long and prosper. But in Wrath of Khan, like... Hashtag Spock is now. <laughs> like Spock went in to... Like he caught radiation sickness in the thing so that he could save it. And then like like died. Was totally like, hey man, I'm using logic here to make sure that people live forever. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you, I don't know, how do you separate that? Like, instead of using your logic to like, like the, 
like the 10 people like, no, there's, there's a lot of people down there. You know, I don't, they're giants, I, they're giants. They're I, don't, huge. I don't think we should do this. We will die. And meanwhile, the two are like, oh no, man, forget that. Let's do this. Well, the, the difference between the two and the 10, both saw the evidence that was in front of them. Um, but the two were persuaded by God's word greater than they were the evidence of defeat. And the 10 were persuaded by the evidence of defeat and they made it greater than the value on God's word. So I think the way you separate from that logical, rational driven life um, and you enter into that spirit led life is that you hear the voice of God and you weigh it greater than any other measurable Fantastic. And you allow that to be heavier, more profound, more motivating and driving than every other cost or risk on the planet. Do you feel like in your ministry, you feel like your future is now? I, I guess I've always felt this way. Yeah. I, I've always felt like the person I'm becoming right now uh, will determine the land I get to walk into, the milk and honey I get to access, the potential victories I get to walk in, or the potential risks that I get to walk in. You know, Caleb was like, hey, show me the largest, strongest mountain stronghold, and I'm going after that. I've always felt like it's it's developing that content of that character before you reach the foot of the mountain that has you go, what's the craziest mountain? Give it to me. I'm God's going to give it to me. I, I think that the character of a person is developed way before the opportunity for that character to be proven. Mm, write that down. All right. That, no, not you. I'm talking about the people that are listening. That's really good. Like, cause you can see it in so many stories in the Bible, David harp, uh, in the pastures, uh, the content of his character was perceived by God and then sent Samuel to find him and to anoint him king. So that character was developed way before he was king. Uh, and that's what we see. So you're always realizing your future right now based on your transformative process of who you are now and who you're deciding to become consciously in your choice right now. Is it possible for someone to realize that they're not living in their future, but they're thinking about the future? Like, no, I can't be doing that right now because I'm, my, my mind is on the future. And it's like, no, wait, well, well, no, like you're literally living that out right now. Yeah. Like not sowing the seeds right now for your future harvest to yeah. be reaped, yeah. but just wanting to reap their future harvest. Yeah. Like the person that's been told that they'll be on platforms in front of thousands. And so all of their aims and efforts are becoming or are getting on a platform. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think impact is not impact isn't impact can be spoken and the measure of impact can be perceived in somebody's life. Like God has called you to huge impact, but it's, it's the person's intimacy and the content of their character and their rootedness in God that leads them to that place of impact. So our focus as an individual shouldn't be on reaching that place of impact, but uh, reaching that place of personification, that place of becoming that allows for that impact to be unfolded for the glory of God. Yeah. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not, it's not your effort towards the glory that gets you at the glory. That's good. So I think that if that person's there and they've measured incredible impact things in their future or somebody told them they have great opportunity for impact that I think that probably the most, most valuable first step you could do is to just surrender that entire thing to it and surrender the entire like desire for great impact and just choose 
to sow really great seeds of whatever's in front of you and becoming the person that God wants you to become every single day. And he'll do the rest. I was, um, I was, I think it was Saturday night. I was praying and for whatever reason, like praying in my kitchen, um, well, I'm drinking coffee or that's your sanctuary, whatever. man. You I love just, cooking. I don't, I just like being in my kitchen. Yeah. So I'm praying and I grabbed my laptop and I wrote this down. Cause I think this has what, what you were saying. I said, I want to make a difference to people all around the world with my joy. And I thought about it. And then I start thinking like, okay, well, how am I going to do that? How am I going to be doing this? And am I going to do that? And I was like, wait, whoa, time out, slow down. The fact that <laughs> time you, out, time out, time out. Yeah, time out, time out. <laughs> the fact that you wrote it down and then you said you wanted to do this is a game changer. You didn't write how, how you just said you wanted to. So right now I'm letting God just even speak through me. Like, okay, what's that look like? I think a part of that has to do with this this podcast. Yeah. I think that's one way. Um, but as far as other ways, I, I don't know. I've heard so many people tell me, Oh, you're going to be in movies and you're going to be in television and all that stuff. And I've been like, yeah, that maybe then, then that's the thing I should go after. And maybe it is the thing I should go after one day. But like, I know that I want to make a difference in people and bring joy to them, no matter what that looks like. Even if that means like, doing this podcast or like standing on a street corner with a sign that says Jesus loves you. Like to me, it doesn't matter. I don't need billions and billions of people. Hey, come on, Trump. What's up, buddy? <laughs> hey, dude. Welcome back. Thank you so much. For me. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need, you know, I don't need to be on stage. And that's hard for me personally. It's very hard. You got a great Trump. Thank you so much. I'm the best in the world. Okay. Don't forget it. I'm incredible. Big sad. Um But I, as a performer, I think for me that's that's hard to like not want to be in front of millions while making an impact for millions. Yeah. At the same time. Well, yeah, and then you got to separate. And the, right. I think the key here is you got to separate worth from impact. Cool. I like that. It's such a big important part of I it. I really like that. Like you're a son and you're loved yep. no matter the impact you have. Yeah. So impact is supposed to be like a gift to people. It's not supposed to be the thing that then feeds your value scheme. Uh, so that's always an important thing to get delivered from. Yeah. And then like continue to be delivered from because you can be free and then you can start making an, imp an impact and people will start praising you. You'll start feasting on that praise. Oh, yeah. It'll become your sustenance and hey, you just got to reject that meal. You know, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. That's good. You know, so you don't have to do like cheesy deflection stuff. Like, no, nope, it's not me. It's all Jesus. Yeah, I said, I, you, so, know, you don't have to do that. Someone asked me that question <laughs> in a class I was teaching. They're like, hey, when someone compliments you, shouldn't you give all the like the glory to Jesus? And glory I was good. like, or just I, say thanks. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> that's actually what I said. I said, you could just say thank you. I mean, it, not everything has to be, hey, you know, well, for, uh, glory to God, first of all, Yeah. you know. <laughs> like, just say thank I, you. I know what people are aiming at when no, they say sure. this. They're trying to like not become arrogant, right? You know, 
Yeah, I, I know exactly what they're aiming out, but there you don't have to say that to not to be know. Arrogant. Yeah, for us to know that you're not. Yeah, arrogant. thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> really love you, value you. I really love the journey with Jesus that I've gone on, so that I could become like Him and then just trust Him with the results. Yeah, you know, tell them your process. Don't just deflect. Tell them why. Yeah, like, hey, yeah, I trusted God with impact, and I just became whoever He was designing me to be every day. Sam, a few times has said, "I know," to me. Yeah, oh, you're killing it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> I never know what to say afterwards. Well, I do it because I know you don't know what to say. Yeah. Like, hey, great sermon. I, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I really don't, and I'm just being thankful for you. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Just loving it. Uh, the future is now. Come on. Whoa. When you walk in the room. <laughs> uh, so what are some of the other things that, like, when you were talking about futures now that stuck out to you? During this sermon series, the impact of the past. Mm. Uh, so we love the future, right? Not everyone. Some people really love living in the past if they've had traumatic stuff. But I think that those those are the situations and people I thought were really interesting to speak to uh, in this consideration over the future. Uh, you know what I noticed about the journey of the Israelites coming out of the out of Egypt, out of the desert, trying to get into the Promised Land, is that some of them carried past. And it became a hurdle of where God was taking them. They said, did you really bring us up to the foot of the promised land just for us to die? It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt. So this is a really interesting interaction that the future in the past has. Like God is a God that's outside of the confines of time. So we realize that when God is reconciling us to him, it's not just in our present and future. It's also our past it's not just in our past. It's always with like implications of present and future. So he does his reconciliation through all of the times, like space continuum with us, not just now. The now interacts with kind of where we've been, our memories getting cool. healed and broken through where we're going, because then all of a sudden it just changes where we're going. Yeah. So God is always speaking to where you're going, but it has implications on being free from where you've been as well. Because I I think we can all recognize that we carry where we've been right now. Yeah. And so we can go, oh, okay. Like I, I hear God speaking this to me. It's really challenging me. I'm fearful to die. I'm fearful to lose. I'm fearful to be rejected. I've got all this fear. It's riddling me. I'm doubting, not believing his words. So I'm carrying Egypt to the desert in me. Yeah. And I just, you know, I think it's time for that past to lose its power. Wow. That's amazing. I, th- I think a lot of people like to, I think they, I don't know if they enjoy, but they definitely are more, uh, have more of a proclivity to bring up the past. And that is the reason why they can't yeah. do things now. Well, yeah. I, I went through X, Y, Z, so there's no way I, that I could do this. Yeah. But that shouldn't be. <laughs> shouldn't be the thing that disqualifies you, man, because it's, it's all a journey, man. Yeah. And I, I like to think of it as those things which I recognize disqualify me uh, are invitations to receive grace. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I, my works really don't induce or qualify me for righteousness. It's his grace. So when I see my works fall short, it's almost like a really good thing. You're like, man... I, the twist or the pivot is in your conclusion. So when we see our works fall short, rather than feeling disqualified, feel like it almost qualifies you for grace. 
if you'll humble yourself. Do do you feel like your competitive nature has helped you in that sense? That like, oh, I've been through this and not like, oh, no, like I'm, I'm going to keep going and keep doing it even though. No, absolutely not. I think my competitive nature in every aspect has hurt me from being close to God. Really? Yeah. It, it, competitive nature, self-sufficiency. It's me stronger. It's me greater. It's me more. It's me better. It's me. Are we recording this? <laughs> we are. This is I'm literally in real time. I'm like learning something new about you right now. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. I think our, our natural strengths can be extremely difficult to journeying in weakness with God. I think they're almost the enemy, the nemesis of journeying in your weakness. Lean not on your own understanding, all your ways acknowledge him. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. There's the merits of, of who I am in strength apart from God. Even the gifts God given me without, I get to keep them without any re- repentance. Gifts of God and the calling of God are irrevocable. So my gifts get to stay. Like, you know, my strengths stay no matter what my intimacy looks like. If those of you could see me in my face right now, my mouth is open and I'm staring at Samuel. <laughs> flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted. No, not in a bad way. I think this is amazing. This yeah. is like awesome. Because like, I would think just like with you personally, and I've known you probably my entire life, almost my whole life, but like, be, like your resilience and that competitive nature, like your resiliency to like go, no, I'm not going to accept that which is or was, but I'm going to go with what the calling of what God is on my life. That's sort of like competitive nature. Oh, no. I, and I wouldn't even call what I, what I, I wouldn't even call the conviction I carry for life, like competitive nature as much as I think when you live it a certain way for a certain amount of time, you just realize like, I don't want to live like that. That's cool. And so you just like, you have a distaste for conformity to like the things of this world, then it's nobody else's fault. You chose to conform. So I think that I've tasted conformity for so long that I just decided I don't want to be conformed. I want to be, not to be cheesy, but I want to be transformed by God. Yeah. And I think that it was just like, you're like just tired of it. I don't want to be conformed anymore. I'm going to just literally beat down every door, pursue Jesus in every way I can and ask him in all the ways I can figure out to ask him to be like him. And that's my journey for the rest of my life. I feel motivated right now in this room. Come on, man. This is amazing. (laughs) This is so great. Yeah. I I think it's a fun journey. I think it's exciting. It's devastatingly scary at times, but it's profoundly amazing when you could find peace that surpasses your fear understanding or your understanding that incites fear. So I think that it just looks like a beautiful pursuit. Just unrelenting pursuit of Jesus. I love it. Well, I, that's the time for today. I mean, wow. I'm, my mind is my mind is blown, man. <laughs> John Gruden would say with you his zero and three Raiders. Trump? Gruden. Gruden. Gruden's coming to Vegas. Hey, I do we you, want him to come to Vegas I now? Mean, I tell you what, I'm going to bet on black for that one. I don't even know what that means. Trump, Gruden, and Christopher Walken for a moment. I did a little. Whoa. Little and I Chris tried to Walken. do a Tor Walt when you walk in the room thing, but it didn't didn't work. <laughs> I'm almost willing to let you try it again. <laughs> no, please no. Okay. Please no. Um, 
I used to have a really good Stephen Hawking. I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, <laughs> that's a bad joke. That we'll probably cut out. We'll probably cut this out. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see. But the future is it's now. hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't have words. No. The future is now. Samuel, the future is now. This is great. Yeah, this I is agree. a great discussion. I enjoyed it. You're great. So are you. Yeah, I'm. I literally I learned something new about you. <laughs> literally in this moment, as we're literally, recording. literally <laughs> in this moment, <laughs> and I'm happy about it. I want to thank everyone for listening, tuning into this discussion. Again, don't be afraid. Oh yes, my friends, Robin Williams. <laughs> Yo, don't be on, afraid. I'm taking them all out today. Um, don't be afraid to leave a, a, a question in my email. We want to hear from you guys. But also, thank you so much again for for uh, <laughs> clicking, rating, reviewing, downloading, subscribing. Um, it means the world to us. And we want to and hear share from it. you guys. And share it. Please do yeah, share it. Share it. Share it on your social media. Let people know that you're you're listening and that they could tune into. As Samuel gives me his De Niro face. Huh? Give me his De Niro face. Need to share it around. Huh? Huh? Do it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. And um, I don't want to confirm this yet, but we may have a very, very special guest as my headphones fly off coming up soon. Yeah. Jane, Stay tuned, really. Jane Hammond. Oh, wow. You did confirm it. No, it's not confirmed. But it is confirmed. Okay, it is confirmed. Guys, we're having Jane Hammond on the show. <laughs> um, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah. She's going to give a prophetic word to everyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> like individually, one by one. But only the people in the room. Yeah. So just me and Samuel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, our, our next discussion will be with Jane Hammond. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, we love you guys. We thank you so much. If you haven't listened to the Futures Now series, listen to it and then listen to this. Um, I probably should have said that at the beginning of the show, but who cares? We're having fun. But either way, I love you guys. Samuel, is there anything you want to say before we go? No, nah, man, you guys are amazing. All right. We will talk to you guys next time.